Welcome to the New Books Network. Hello, and welcome to another episode of Self-Control Through Torah. I'm your host, David Gottlieb, a historian of Judaism and a practitioner of Jewish mindfulness. And I am Modia Silva, second in command to David, and I'm a psychotherapist and author in Toronto, Canada. Uh, if you've joined us before, you know that we're embarked on an perhaps overly ambitious project, and this is what it is. Using Rabbi Menachem Mendel Leffen's Heshbon HaNefesh, uh, a guide to self-improvement and character refinement, we are making our our way through Torah, parsha by parsha, sitting on one midah or character trait for four consecutive weeks, so we're basically turning two dials. One dial is the dial of midot, or character traits, and one dial is the parshat hashavua, the parsha, the Torah portion of the week. Uh, this is an auspicious week because it is our first recording of the secular year of 2024. It is the beginning of the book of Shemot, or Exodus, and we launch into a new midah, the midah of Haritzut, or decisiveness. So, Modya, this is, uh, as we had discussed before we turned on the recording, a really interesting challenge. The Midah of decisiveness is a complicated one, and the story that unfolds in the Book of Shemot uh, is all about, in many respects, leadership, both human and divine. And the challenges of decisiveness, of how to decide, what to decide, and when to decide it, present challenges to Moses, uh, even to God, we might say, although we can't say that God ever shows any uncertainty, be uncertainty about what unfolds. But the issue of moving resolutely forward without being hasty or ill-advised, but having a kind of certainty about what must come next and what one's role in that should be, is all through this first parshat, parshat shmot. Uh, I want to just point out that we are often concerned about, uh, and, uh, and Rabbi Menachem Mendel Leffen is concerned about prevarication, in other words, hesitancy, the inability to decide. But our good friend and teacher, Michael Skoback, recently posted this quote on Facebook from Rabbi Yosef Yosel Hurwitz, the altar of Navardak, who said, the power of the Satan lies in rushing a person to carry out an action right away before he stops to consider and wonder about what he is doing. The deed is done, and there he stands, deliberating after the fact. This is very interesting to me because uh, Rabbi Leffen says almost the opposite. He says, There are people whose process of deliberation is so short that it seems as if they conduct all their affairs solely according to the advice of their animal spirits. Now, in this, I think he's agreeing with uh, the altar of Navarduk. Uh, about them, the verse in Mishle states, 
The thoughts of the zealous are superfluous, and those who are hasty reap only loss. Here's the part that's different. Rabbi Leffen goes on to say, then there are people who are intelligent and quick in a certain field of learning or in a certain craft, but who lack ideas or experience in other fields. When faced with a situation with which they are unfamiliar, they think and reflect and ponder, then they consult and think again interminably. This man's virtue is in truth his problem. Because he is intelligent, he can always find endless rationales that support different courses of action. Because of his inability to reach a final decision, opportunity passes him by, or he delays an enterprise with his hesitations for days or years, thus sacrificing their benefits for long periods of time. The reason I am going on this long rant is because there's a problem with decisiveness. Between only listening to our nefesh behemah, our animal spirit, and between listening too much to our intellect and thinking endlessly about all the different permutations of what could happen. Here in Parshat Shemot, we see what I think is a third kind of indecisiveness born of what might be called Moses's excess humility. His God coming to him and saying, you're going to do this, and Moses saying, who am I that I should do this? Until God has to appoint Aaron as Moses' a spokesman because he's just so hesitant. All of which is to say, my view about decisiveness in terms of Parshat Shemot is that amazing events, astonishing movements toward liberation require a fine balance between the animal spirit and the intellect, between the nefesh ha-behemit and the nefesh ha-elokit, and it takes time and sometimes mistakes to find that balance. That, in a very large nutshell, is what I have learned about decisiveness from this parsha. Over to you. Wow. You're right. That was a long, not a rent, that was a long, beautiful uh, um, presentation. And I want to go back then to how you actually started it, because you talked about two aspects. You talked about hasty, being hasty and being ill-advised, and that and those are the flags. Those are the red flags or the cautionary uh, areas to consider, because you're right. Like I think when you talk about being hasty, we're talking about action, which is derived from the nefesh behemoth, the, the animal soul. And when we're talking about being advised, we're talking about a higher level, about yes. feet, the divine yes. soul. And so I love this idea of the need for balance between those two, between the two parts of your soul, between the physical action part and the thinking higher, higher self, the spiritual part. Um, I want to complicate it a little more as well, because you were talking about alacrity, like... Um, about speed, about hastiness. And there are two, I don't think this Mida, this character trait, Haritsut, can stand alone. Decisiveness can't stand alone. Like we know that from Musar, that one Mida can really stand alone. It needs many others. But in, in, in this case, I was thinking a lot about Zurizut, about alacrity or zeal. Yes. Mm -hmm. And and the intersection between decisiveness and, and being a zealot. <clears throat> and I'm not sure where to go with this just yet, but I have a lot of clients. As a therapist, I have a lot of clients who can't make decisions. 
and they sit there either stuck in their emotions or they get stuck in their thinking, their cyclical thinking, and they just freeze. And I sit back and go, wow, that's interesting that they can't make a decision. And sometimes I get judgmental and go, I could make a fast decision on that for them, <laughs> but it ain't my job. Um, <clears throat> so what seems to be missing for me in decisiveness, or at least in Rabbi Leffen's presentation of decisiveness, he sums it all up right, and says, all of your acts should be preceded by deliberation. When you've reached a decision, act without hesitating. And it's like, but, but what if you can't deliberate? What if, or what if you gather so much data, so many facts, and then you're not sure how to how to massage those facts into a decision? Or, or I've said this, I think, in a previous episode that we did. What if the thought that you have, you're confused about as to whether it's fact or whether it's your your narrative, your made up story? Yeah, and I, you know, that's a really good critique, I think, of where Rabbi Leffen is. And I think part of the problem is that this views um, decisiveness in a binary way. You're either going to do this or you're going to do that. But we find ourselves in situations where it's much more than a binary. There are numerous factors, right? And there are numerous ways that a thing could go. Uh, for example, uh, this spoke to me because I'm currently embarked, as I know you are too, on a kind of ambitious writing project. And the problem isn't, do I do this or do that? It's how do I move forward with all of these variables? And I think that is the challenge in this parsha. It's not just Moses saying, am I going to do this or am I not? It's, it's like, how do we move this enormous, risky project forward, right? Right. And so... I th yes. And I think it starts off right in chapter one of, of this Pasha Shemat, chapter one, verse eight. It says, and now, Vayakam uh, Melech Okay, so now a new king arose, Al-Mitzrayim, over Egypt, and that king did not know Joseph. And he, the king, said, the, the pharaoh, said to his people, behold, the people of the children of Israel are more and mightier than we. Come, let us deal wisely with them. In, in, unless, like, because they might multiply. And it came to pass that when they befell, oh, that when there would be a war, that they'll join our enemies and fight against us. So, and then the whole bad thing starts to happen. So the king is making all these assumptions. Like, this is a new king. Did he actually see the Israelites in Goshen causing problems? Or did his uh, ministers put that fear into him and then he made a decision? So <clears throat> we don't know, but we do know that you can be very hasty in making decisions. And, right. and so back to your hasty, it's not just hasty in action, it's hasty in deciding before you've actually massaged all the facts. Right. And I, and I think in this case too, um, in the ancient Near East, if you had a large alien population, this was something that you were typically nervous and you were a leader. You viewed that population with suspicion because that population could be used by invading forces to say, we're we're going to liberate you if you fight on our side. Like it was always a chess piece that could be that could be deployed. And so um, the Pharaoh that arises and makes this decision, you know, says, let us deal shrewdly or wisely with them, indicating at least to me that 
this is what's done with large resident alien populations. You have to deal shrewdly with them. You have to subjugate them because they are dangerous inherently by virtue of their being alien. Yeah. Um, I agree with that, but I'm going to, let's stick on that, stay with that pasuk, that sentence, because it says, Havadnit chachma lo. So let us deal with chachma with them. So uh, <clears throat> we know, you and I, well, we don't know, but we think we know from Kabbalah, because you and I studied a little bit before that, um, that there is there are three levels of of thought or intellect. There's Hachma, Bina, and Da'at. And Hachma is just the acquisition of raw data. And then Bina is the massaging of that data to interpret it. And then Da'at is wisdom, is it like emb an embodied uh, yes, application. right. Like metabolizing that information. Yeah, like metabolizing it. So maybe here when it says, we're talking about all Pharaoh did, this new king did, was acquire raw data and didn't take the time to actually synthesize it and make sense of it. I think that's beautiful. And that is a caution about haritzut, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, we 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 get into habits of thinking that make decisiveness easier. But the danger in that is that the ease of decisiveness leads us in directions that we shouldn't be led. Yes. Yep. I, I want to add another piece then to please. help make that decision effectively. Um, if we go back to Rabbi Leffin's summary sentence, he says, all of your acts should be preceded by deliberation. And then in English, in the English translation of this Sefer of Cheshbon and Nefesh, it says, when you have reached a decision, act without hesitating. But in Hebrew, it says, Umishagimarta belibcha, and when you've completed it in your heart, then act without hesitating. So there has to be a heart piece to this decision making, to decisiveness. It can't just be yes. all left up to the thinking. Correct. Right. And I want to draw a parallel now from that <clears throat> to the Tetragrammaton, the divine four-letter name. This is the Parsha in which God introduces God's self to Moses as uh with with not with the Tetragrammaton actually, but with Eye Asher Eye, which is often translated as I am that I am, I am who I am. I will be what I will be, but it's a verb form. It's not a noun. It's a verb of constant becoming. And it defies, uh, as the JPS commentary notes, simple translation. It can mean I am whatever I choose to be. It can mean I am pure being. It can mean I am more than you can comprehend. The psychologist Eric Fromm takes it to mean I, God, am in the process of becoming. Neither I nor human understanding of me is yet complete. And you human beings fashioned in the image of God are also in the process of becoming. I think it's also important to note that the name is neither specifically masculine or feminine, and that, uh, and that it is indicative of a God who's not far off, and a God whose very self is not, as it were, set in stone. 
but is it is a verb of constant manifesting, a form of constant becoming. And I draw an important lesson about decisiveness from the way that God introduces God's self to Moses, which is to say that uh, when God says, thus shall you speak to the Israelites, the Lord, the God of your fathers, so there's a memory component to this, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob has sent me to you, this shall be my name forever, this my appellation for all eternity. My point is that decisiveness we tend to think about in the West as a form of completion. Mm. But if we are made in the image of God, there is a constant becoming. So decis a decision never ends. A decision is never complete because we are never complete, because God's self is in constant becoming. So we should be free to think of a decision as a branch almost like on a tree or in blood vessels that itself has numerous possibilities of becoming beyond it. In other words, when we decide we haven't set something in stone, we, like God, are in a state of constant becoming. And even if we make a decision that turns out to be wrong, possibly even disastrous, we can redeem that decision the way God redeems the Israelites despite their mutual, their multitude of missteps. So decisiveness is not being locked into something. It is a process of constant becoming, of constant gradual liberation toward the full expression of ourselves. I love it because there's a, comment, there's a commentary that I cannot remember where I read it or how many years ago I read it. But if we go to chapter 3, verse 14, it says, And God said to Moses, Echia, asher echia, I will be that which I will be, like you just said. Right? And so, because Moses says, what's your name? Like, who shall I tell them sent me? And then God says, okay, echia, asher echia. But then, continuing, God says, you shall say to the children of Israel, echia. And it's like, What? Yeah, like right. you, you just told me your full name, and now you're telling me to only tell the people part of your name. It's like right, and it's because and it, and the commentary that I read is that the eh yeah, the first eh yeah is in the present. It, well, it's I will be, but it's like this is who I will be in this moment as I take you out of Egypt, and the second eh yeah is in the time of the Messiah. That that's who I will be in messianic times. Mm -hmm. And so it is this constant state of becoming mm -hmm. that I love what you say about decision making is not permanent. It's not a fixed, you know, I haven't crossed the finish line every time I make a decision. Right. Ideally, it's a form of liberation, right? It's a form of liberation for some. And then I put my therapist hat on and say, some people get really uncomfortable if they don't know exactly where the finish line is. And yeah, yeah, yeah. And and that's, and that's, I think is the plight of humankind is to get comfortable with not knowing, with not knowing exactly where the finish line is. Right. Right. So then, so, um, Moses has to win the confidence he has to win the support of the people who are suffering from kotzeruach, a crushed spirit, right? They, they 
uh, or literally in a way, almost shortness of breath. They're in a confined yeah. space. That's what Mitzrayim is. And under the circumstance, Moses has to, and God tells Moses, I'm going to make the job hard for you. I'm going to, I'm going to stiffen or harden Pharaoh's heart. Mm-hmm. You're going to do this. And he's going to say, nope, no, no dice. Uh, this may not be a question that has to do with decisiveness, but then again, it may be. I really struggle with this, thinking, always have struggled with the 20 instances of Pharaoh's heart being hardened, precisely 10 times by God, and 10 times Pharaoh hardens his own heart. In other words, <clears throat> not all of it is divinely decreed. There, there is a there is a combination of human and divine uh, influence in the hardening of Pharaoh's heart. Uh, this forces a kind of decisiveness upon Moses that seems to be against his nature. So my, my what I struggle with is uh, is when we have trouble deciding, or when say when your clients have trouble deciding, I think it's it's because we think everything rests upon us, mm-hmm. everything. But what this parsha teaches us about deci- about decisiveness is that we have to meditate or pray or focus not only on the variables that are clearly up to us, but we have to be willing to liberate those that are not up to us. And we have to be willing to put in the hands of God, or or if we are not of that kind of emunah, in the hands of fate, what will transpire and not take it all upon ourselves. In other words, there's an aspect of anava, of humility, Mm-hmm. in decisiveness. What I decide is not going to be the end of the world. It is not all up to me. It's not all up to me. And so I have to create space for other, if it's not all up to me. And so I That's like right. what you brought in, like Kotzeruach, this shortness of breath. It's like you and I are old school meditators. Yeah. And it's hard to da- gain insight when your breath is short. So, med- so one of the benefits of meditation is to slow down and provide more space, space in space physically and space in time, so that you can let something else in. And in this case, as you've been saying, to let God in. Yeah. So it's not all on your shoulders. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. That um, I like what you said because it kind of just gave me a bit of an insight into how I practice my therapy. One of one of the things I do is somatic experiencing, which is a, an overwhelm therapy or a trauma therapy. Mm-hmm. And it's all about, no, it's not all about, the practice requires a complete slowing down. And it's slowing down to provide um, to provide space for someone's nervous system to do something other than it is used to doing. But it's really nice. It also makes me think, and maybe tell me if this is too much of an aside, but there was a meditation practice that I was taught once by this teacher that rather than focusing on my in-breath and out-breath, to switch over and focus on the space between the in-breath and the out-breath. So I finish my out-breath, and just before I breathe back in, that's where I put my focus. And then I breathe in, and just before I breathe out, that space is where I put my focus. And I think it's the same thing you've been you were saying just now, which is... I need to find a way to expand my capacity to 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 have more to allow more space around me so that something else can come in 
an aid in my decision making. Absolutely. And part part of part of our our um self torture with respect to decisiveness is that we we live so much in our heads and of course part of the benefits uh, of meditation have to do with moving one out of one's headspace. Uh, a meditation that I find is useful, especially a lot for beginners, is to breathe in on a count of four, hold for a count of four, and exhale on a count of four. The process of focusing on the counting takes one's mind off the oddness of meditation to the mm -hmm. new meditator. The process of holding forces one to concentrate on each phase of it, and the process of holding at the bottom of the breath then enables one to subsequently focus when you breathe in on the expansiveness of breathing. And it is almost guaranteed to take you out of your head because you've given your head a task counting to four three during three different um, exercise, three different components of one exercise. And uh, so, so, we tend to think part of what this parsha teaches, I think, we tend to think of decisiveness as a series of intellectual permutations that have to be walked through. And uh, part of what this teaches is that it is not all up to us and it is not only and perhaps not even primarily an intellectual exercise to make a decision, to act decisively. I, 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 I agree. And I like it because sometimes my criticism of Musar is that it's a behavioral, it's a behavior modification practice, and um, and I know that's, I know that makes it two dimensional and it's not fair, but I sometimes see that, and so I I look at decisiveness, and I read what Rabbi Leffen says, and it very much seems like okay, just figure out what the th steps are to make a decision and then go get it done. And so I like that you're broadening it as well and including much more than just, um, okay, I got to, I got to have clear priorities. Then I've got to motivate myself and then I've got to figure out the steps to do something mm -hmm. and I've just got to go get it, go get it done. And I, I think there's, there is much more to that, much more than that. Sorry. Do you, um, this Parsha ends on a, troubling note with respect to decisiveness <clears throat> and shows us part of the perils of uh of leadership and and, and decisiveness in in this case the decision that moses makes to go before pharaoh and say this is what we are asking that a lot of times and then pharaoh doubles down they uh, they decide that Pharaoh decrees don't give them straw for bricks, make them go out and get their own straw. I'm in chapter five now. Uh, this is uh, chapter five, verse 12. Then the people scattered throughout the land of Egypt to gather stubble for straw. And the taskmasters pressed them, saying, you must complete the same work assignment each day as when you had straw. And the foremen of the Israelites whom Pharaoh's taskmasters had set over them were beaten. Why, they were asked, did you not complete the prescribed amount of bricks, either yesterday or today, as you did before? Then the foremen of the Israelites came to Pharaoh and cried, why do you deal thus with your servants? 
this goes on, and then in verse 22, then Moses returned to the Lord and said, O Lord, why did you bring harm upon this people? Then he says, why did you send me? Ever since I came to Pharaoh to speak in your name, he has dealt worse with his people, and still you have not delivered your people. Here's an essential challenge of decisiveness. Once you're in, things can get worse. Once you've committed to a decision, things can get worse. And then you can think, I screwed up. I made a bad decision. Right. The part the Parsha ends with God saying, oh, you'll see. You shall soon see what I will do to Pharaoh. He shall let them go because of a greater might. Indeed, because of a greater might, he shall drive them from his land. How do we know? Part of the challenge of decisiveness is how do we know? We don't ever know. Sometimes things get worse because we've made the right decision. Right. I think what you've just done is opened up, and maybe this is where we're going to end or come towards a close and leave it for next week. But I think you've just opened up a, a bigger problem, which is up until now, we've really been talking about I, I, I. How do I make a decision? How am yes. I decisive? Right. And now we see with the example you're giving that it's it's much more complex than that. I make a decision. I, Moses, go to Pharaoh, and I maybe realized, or actually it seems like he didn't realize what the outcome would be and the hardship that it would place on the on the Israelites. And you and you just quoted Shemot Rabbah that um when Moses goes back and says, well, why have you dealt ill with this people in verse 22? And the uh, Rashi says that Moses says to God, and if you will say, hey, what concern? Oh, oh, I'm sorry. If you will say, what concern is it of yours? I complain because you sent me. In other, sorry, the other way. If, if God says, what concern is it of yours? And so now we've got this relationship between God and Moses and it's all uh, heating up because Moses made a decision and God empowered Moses to make that decision or at least allowed it. And so it is problematic, right? Like any decision we make is going to have an impact far beyond where we can imagine. Yes. And yet, uh, and yet be precisely because of that, we have to recognize over and over again that our decisions are not all about us. They do not issue only from us. They do not only affect us. And others are involved not only in their consequences, but in the formations of the decisions we make. It's not only not all about us, it's not all from us. Even when we make a decision, we are doing so from the web of circumstances and relationships in which we exist. We should take comfort in this. And my last observation would be that we have to remember, even though, you know, you and I have studied Torah, uh, studied Jewish learning together for more than 15 years, Moses and God in this parsha are still getting to know each other. Right. This is a relationship in formation. It's a relationship in formation, and it's Moses's leadership in formation as well. He's exactly. not a, He's not a leader yet. Right. Right. And he is an extremely unlikely candidate in many respects. Right. If <laughs> mostly because he doesn't want to be a leader. That's right. That's right. But he <laughs> learns, we see him learning uh, how to make decisions and understanding that the decisions do not only come from him. And we'll see later that when he does take actions on his own, it is very costly to him. Mm -hmm. Yes. 
Uh, I've enjoyed this discussion and I'm totally undecided as to what it all means. <laughs> but I am decided that we'll come back next week and do another episode. Absolutely. Thank you very much for listening to another episode of Self-Control Through Torah. We hope you've enjoyed it. We hope you'll join us again next week. I'm David Gottlieb. And I'm Modia Silva. Until next time, have a great week. <laughs>